Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. It's the Packers at the bye week edition. Green Bay 2-3 and three on the season. Now they head off to wherever they want to go for a few days before heading back to Green Bay. The bye week coming, I suppose, at a good time because of all the injuries, which is the most baffling thing about the Packers, how they've had so many soft tissue injuries this early in the season. A couple of them, either in Game 1, Aaron Jones, which has been lingering for the last month, and you've also got, uh, of course, guys like Christian Watson, who was injured in one of the final practice tune-ups before the season began. Now, Christian Watson obviously back out on the field, but he's been slowed all season long. So a couple of baffling things that have happened so far from this Packers team. But one thing that I'm not necessarily surprised about is their 2-3 and three record. And as I talked about, both on the Drew and KB show, filling in for Drew while he was getting back from Las Vegas and on the Matt Schneidman show when Matt was coming back from Las Vegas, is that this is a team right now that I think is going to be good. But it's not a team that's very good yet. And you hope, if you're a Packers fan, that this is a team that is going to grow into itself, if you will. You're hoping that the young wide receivers will, in Christian Watson's case, fight a little bit harder for uh, balls that are thrown up by Jordan Love down the field or even across the middle. You hope that Jordan Love and his accuracy on the downfield throws gets better in time. You can only get better by doing it. So that's why I know a lot of Packers fans are really upset. Oh, Matt LaFleur's got to get fired. and Oh, Joe, Joe Barry's got to be fired. And You know, maybe that will shake out in time, specifically more on the defensive coordinators and then at the head coach's level. I don't think that the head coach is going anywhere this season. I don't think that, uh, you know, you can't take a Hall of Fame quarterback away from a play caller and think that, you know, he's going to continue at the same level of excellence that uh, he's had, at least as far as winning games over the first four years of his career. It's not realistic. It's not going to happen. But you do hope that this team does grow by the end of the year. So I'm not all up in arms about two and three. And that may be a minority opinion. And that's that's fine. I thought that they were going to be a 6-11 and 11 season when the year began. I think they're probably a little bit better than that. But we also looked at the early portion of their schedule. And through the first six weeks, oh, there wasn't a single playoff team from 2022. Well, they've already lost now to three of them. You've lost to Atlanta. I think the Falcons are an okay team when they're healthy. They had to frantically come back and beat the New Orleans Saints, but that was by the skin of their teeth. And then the last couple of losses. Detroit looks like the real deal. The Lions look like they are certainly the class of the NFC North, at least in 2023. How long that will sustain itself, I don't know. But listen, these guys are playing hard for Dan Campbell. They've got you know, a quarterback who certainly feels like he has something to prove in Jared Goff, and he's got some guys. Young tight end, young star stud, wide receiver, I believe Alan Ross St. Brown's in, what, his third season? There's some talent there in Detroit. And then the Packers lose to the Raiders, which, at the end of the day, Jordan Love just didn't play very well. And I think that that's there were games Aaron Rodgers didn't play well. There were games that Brett Favre didn't play well. Jordan Love didn't play very well against the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, this is more of just a preamble to uh, 
what I was saying on the Matt Schneidman show on Tuesday after the Monday night game on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee and statewide on the game radio network, as well as with Drew and KB. I want to start out with uh, the conversation that I had with uh, Kevin Brandt, KB, as well as Hunter Baumgart on the Drew and KB show. And Doug Russell's going to step in for a little bit and hold down the floor with us. Hello, Dougie. What's going on, brother man? Russ Douglas. Russ Douglas. Russ Douglas Thank you, Wink. is here. Are we going to hear from Wink today? You're going to hear he from in, Wink. He was in Vegas, wasn't he? he covering. Well, we I'm not saying he made it to the stadium. No, he didn't. Uh, no. Well, within the city limits, he has an issue going within the city limits, oh, gotcha. and you'll learn why. But he okay. was in. Uh, he was in the area code. Okay. Uh, Wink was in the area code. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. And. Um, but anyway, last night's Packer game. What is everybody talking about? We've got Matt Arnold address the media today to talk about the future of the Brewers. And uh, I don't care what anyone says. This season was a success. It is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a disappointment. Not Certainly not the regular season. Uh, I did not think that this was going to be a team that was going to win as, nearly as many games as they did in the regular season. But... You know, how are over teams 90, judged? Think about it. Over 90 games. I thought they would be about a 500 team. Yes, over over 90. Yeah. 90 was never in, even until the last few years, it's never even a consideration. Yeah, they uh, over-exceeded, I think, just about everybody's expectations. They ran away with the division by nine games. Nine games. And, unfortunately, the cruelty of the baseball postseason means that if you have a couple of poor games, ask the Dodgers about this. Their backs are against the walls. Uh, as With well, the Diamondbacks. Could it be another year where the pa- where the Packers, where the Brewers are eliminated by the team that eventually goes on to be the World Series champion? Because the last three times they were in, those teams that eliminated them won the series. And every time that they've been in the playoffs and been eliminated, it's been by a team that has at least gone to the World Series. If That's not right. Won Two of all. the three have won it. Won it all. So that would be the Nationals and the Dodgers won that year. Yeah, Dodgers in twenty twenty. Every Nets. single time they've gotten there. Yes. That's just wild. It is. In, uh, in the history of the Brewers. Let's go back. 81, the Yankees, they lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. They got eliminated the next year by the Cardinals, obviously, in the World Series. 2008, they got eliminated by the Phillies, who wound up winning the World Series against the Rays. 2011, they got eliminated by the Cardinals, who lost Oops. the World Series to the Reds. No, they won in 20. The Cardinals won the World Series in 2011. Mm-hmm. 2018, Dodgers lost to the Red Sox. 2019, it was the Nationals, who wound up winning the World Series. 2020, we mentioned the Dodgers. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not looking at a phone. He's not looking at anything. This is all from his memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's what what rattles around upstairs sometimes, uh, you know. 21 was the Braves. 21, 21 was the Braves. Was the Braves. And then, so, yeah. so then we move on. We move on to the Packers playing in Las Vegas against the Oakland slash L.A. slash Vegas Raiders. <laughs> To be fair, they haven't been in Los Angeles since the mid-90s. Yeah, I I know, but who knows? (laughs) They were there, they went back, they were in Oakland, they didn't. But watching that, I think um, I went into this season. I don't know where where I stand on this. Realistically, right, going into this season, I think um, I was a big proponent of supporting the team, as I think you should. Um, I was not going to be a defeatist. I was not going to be a fatalist and say they were going to suck um, because you don't know those things. Going through the first five games, and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to throw, and I still am not going to throw Jordan Love under the bus because you don't know yet. But 
That game sucked. Jordan Love didn't. I mean, Jordan that Love has game sucked. It, 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 there weren't many penalties. Okay, there's my silver lining. There other, you than, go. other than that, Jordan doesn't Love, sweat much for a fat guy. <laughs> Jordan Love had his worst performance as a Packers quarterback, and one of the it's things going to happen. Absolutely, it's going to happen. There are going to be growing pains, and anyone who didn't think there were going to be growing pains after he had a great game against the Bears in Week One, and everybody was That's ready to carve his. I know everybody was ready to carve his ball. They had, they had a good game on Sunday, but everybody's ready to carve the third consecutive quarterback bust in Canton with Jordan Love's name you on can't, it. That's that's just it's, absolutely ludicrous to think that. Of course. Of course it's absurd. Uh, there are going to be growing pains. We saw some of them last night. He threw three interceptions, and a couple of them were bad interceptions. I mean, really, really Oh, the first really one across the bad interception. Well, the last one wasn't great either. Underthrown. What, what we're seeing, and you know, I think Christian Watson still needs to get a little bit stronger, and Matt LaFleur was asked about that after the game to go and you know contest some of those balls. But Jordan Love struggles on the deep ball, and... Aaron Rodgers, by and large, did not. But Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be a process. But, yeah, there were there were some real missed opportunities last night, and the quarterback, frankly, did not play well. Yeah, th- that, is indeed, uh, that is indeed the case. He did not play well. Uh, are we doing game balls and kicks the balls today? Did we kick that back a day? Or are we, we just going straight we could. New- we- Straight we, we newbie always, Tuesday. We could call an audible and do it on a Tuesday. Well, I you know I don't know we since it's not a show. On no- bites, okay, we're not going to. If you got a game ball, get call us up four one four seven nine nine one nine seven three. Tell us why. If you have a kick to the balls, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to play sound along with right, it because right. uh, we weren't thinking because there are game balls and kicks to the balls that deserve to be handed out. Oh, certainly. Oh, yeah, um, without a doubt. I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, as much as you don't like to, you got to throw, got to give uh, Jordan Love a kick to the balls. He just did not, did not play well. Mm-hmm. No, he, he did not play well. Um, it is to be expected. I think the whole team. I mean, one of the things that um, that I said was uh, earlier, and was now we're going to see what uh, Matt Lafleur's offense might really be like. It's kind of boring. Well, by design, it's kind of boring. I mean, does it have to be because he does? Jordan Love's not capable of running anything else. No, I don't think so. I think Jordan Love just doesn't have that many games under his belt yet to be able to recognize things that a Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, was able to recognize when he would go up to the line of scrimmage. I think that's a huge part of it. And you know, again, his wide receivers are so young. His tight ends are so young. Luke Musgrave. I think has a tremendous future, but he was getting his ass chewed out by Matt Lafleur on the sidelines in the first quarter. So we had seven targets, six receptions. What did he do wrong? Uh, the blocking assignment, I think, is what it was. Oh, like nobody yeah. else on that offensive line missed any of those. Oh no, it was again. It was challenging. It was a character building kind of kind of game. And you know, I didn't think the defensive schemes. Why is Preston Smith? Trying to guard Devontae Adams, that was a head scratcher at times. Or not even guarding him at all. Well, he was on trying one, to. On the one swing pass, there wasn't one anyone 15 yards of him. Preston Smith shouldn't be guarding Devontae Adams under any circumstances, ever. No, this is true. Um, Preston Smith had a. I mean, listen, he got into the backfield a couple of times. He affected the passing game of Jimmy I would Garoppolo. Give a game, I would give so. a, right. I would give a game ball to the front. The defensive front of the Packers. Yeah, I thought they played pretty well. Mm-hmm. They played really well. They were up in in uh, Jimmy G's grill uh, quite a bit last night, mm-hmm. so that was a positive. Um, I'm going to give three quarters 
of a game ball. I'm not giving full game ball, but I'm going to give him three quarters of a game ball to AJ Dillon. Yeah, who especially ran early on. Early on, now he had some problems later in the game that brought his average down, but for a while he was almost five yards a carry, um, which is what you were looking for mm-hmm. to get out of him, especially when he was pressed into service. When now we found out a lot later on, obviously as you might suspect, than the coaching staff did, but. Matt LaFleur had concocted this game plan around having Aaron Jones back in the lineup. And as we found out a couple of hours before the game began, Aaron Jones unable to play. But they knew about that the day before. And I thought A.J. Dillon performed really well. You want a game ball? I'll give you one. Anders Carlson. Anders Carlson continues to make every kick that's put in front of him, whether it's a PAT, whether it's a field goal. His brother missed a couple of field goals last night, doinked one that could have put it away uh, late for the Raiders. But Anders Carlson... The rookie, who was awful in training camp, has been, when the regular season has begun, has been nothing short of spectacular. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that we sat there during the preseason and everyone was thinking, ah, defense will be fine, offense looking good, Jordan Love seems to be hitting his stride. <sighs> Anders Carlson. Yep. Uh-oh. Someone call Mason Cross, and he's the only one who's doing what he's supposed to. Well, that's what happens when, and I'm not going to single anyone out specifically because so many of them do it, but these breathless tweets about Anders Carlson made this many field goals from this distance and missed this one, and when you go through every single kick, he made three in a row from 43 yards out, but he missed two in a row from 45 yards out. Then they moved him back to 52 yards, and he missed all six of them. Yes. It doesn't mean anything in practice. It doesn't mean anything until you actually are doing it with actual, I don't want to use the term bullets flying, that's what everybody uses, but when there's actual defenders that are trying to get after and affect your kick, that's when it matters. It matters when it's under pressure, not when it's in front of, you know, 2,000 fans at Rainichke Field. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is uh, true. Now, um, here's one. Braden920. And um, he says, th- and this has been my complaint for a while. Um, and by a while, I mean the six years I've been doing the show with Drew. Um. This team is soft. They do not have a killer instinct or someone who can wreak havoc. Their deep ball is throw it up and watch a couple guys act like 12-year-olds when they don't get a P.I. call. I, I, I think you tell me who wreaks havoc on that defense. On defense, well, Rashawn Gary can wreak he, havoc on that defense. He can. Kenny Clark can wreak havoc on that defense. Jair Alexander. Consistently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Kenny Clark had the best season of his career last year, but he's certainly capable of wreaking havoc on a regular basis on defense. Uh, Preston Smith at times wreaked havoc last night. I don't know that he does it on a regular basis anymore at this stage of his career. Jair Alexander can wreak havoc on defense. But as far as, like, if you want guys that play with violence, okay, that's something that I think is at least worth talking about because it was talked about during the game and then after the game specifically as it concerns the offense. You want guys that fight on offense. You want you, you want need, nasty. You need Christian Watson to do what Devontae Adams eventually developed into, and that's somebody who will go up and, and just get every pass that's thrown anywhere near him. And we're not seeing that yet from Christian Watson in well, his second he, year, but he's also been in and out of the lineup, too. And his defense... Watson's defense, Devontae Adams didn't do that until about three, year three or four. Correct. So, um, Without question. Although Chris from Richfield has one, um, and I'm going to use a steel-toed Red Wing for this one. 
Uh, kick to the balls to Joe Barry. Why does he continue to play Jair and Razul 10 yards off the line of scrimmage on third and two is beyond me. The touchdown. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. yeah. And was it, was, Rudy, was it Rudy Ford? It was Rudy. I think it was Ford, yeah. Ford, they are on the 11-yard line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rudy Ford is lined up on the goal line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Too easy. It was too easy. Why? I don't know. Yeah, Troy Aikman called it easy pickings for Jimmy Why? Garoppolo. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, here we go. Do you know what team, Packer team, wasn't soft? The team under Forrest Gregg. Well, yeah. <laughs> but they sucked. They sucked. They were gone. You know, do you want to go back to the mid 80s? Is that what we really want? No, you don't want anything. <laughs> okay, let's take the Lions. The Lions are a nasty team. Right now they are, yeah. They're a nasty team, but they're not nasty like when they had Indomitian Sue, who was cheap and nasty. Yeah, but they sucked at the time. Right. But that, I don't like Indomitian Sue nasty. That's yeah. cheap and nasty. These guys are just flat out nasty. Yeah, they're good and nasty. Yes, that's exactly it, man. You want, I've always said, every championship team needs a little bit of the criminal element. There's something to be said for well, that. Well, and I, you know, I don't, it's just that mentality. You need that mentality that I, I don't play the same way everybody else does. I, I play mean, by a different set of rules. The greatest teams, and let's look at college football for a second. The greatest teams. Uh, you know, from the University of Miami, that had the criminal element. You look oh, at those. Well, those back- no, they were actually criminals. Yeah, no, they were actually going out on yeah, Sunday were, nights, and they were felons. <laughs> they were they were stealing. Well, they were stealing car radios. Sure, Aaron car Hernandez stereos. played on a national championship team at the University of Florida. Now, Tim Tebow was the saint, and then everybody else was getting arrested under Urban Meyer, and then you had the you know triple murderer over there. Yes, um, so. Oh, here, um, I, I just, it just isn't there. There's flashes of it, but it just isn't there. You have to, and I thought you'd get more of it with uh, Quay Walker, but he seems to have, uh, and Eric Stokes, Stokes has been hurt, obviously, but Quay Walker seemed to kind of like take, take a few steps back and kind of settle it down a little bit, and that might be just trying to curtail his eagerness and maybe his, his mind for making mental mistakes, but, you know, you, you can't pump the brakes. Well, in Quay's defense, when he wasn't pumping the brakes last year, he was getting thrown out of games. Right. There's got to be a balance there. Yeah. So I think in his second season, he's trying to find that. I would rather have Quay Walker, you know, on the field as opposed to, you know, shoving non-uniform personnel from other teams and getting thrown out of games. Right. I mean, that's just stupid. You could be nasty and not stupid. I'm going to give you another kick to the balls. Right now, I'm going to give you a kick to the balls okay. to Pat McAfee. Okay. Cutting the sleeves off of hockey jerseys. Oh, you don't do that. You tool. Yeah. Okay. Looks, you look. are a, Okay. I don't like him to begin with. Cutting the sleeves off a hockey jersey for, quote, unquote, the brand. Mm-hmm. Get over yourself, dude. Yeah. The brand's Get, been successful for him. I don't care if it's successful. You're still a tool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a uh, game ball. And you can print it. I'm going to give a Vegas game ball to the Vegas Golden Knights. They're raising their banner tonight. Oh. Yeah, Billy might go. What said. is there? There's, this is the their third or fourth year in the league. Sixth. Is it sixth already? Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And two Stanley Cups? Well, they went one, to the Stanley Cup. Two They're, Stanley Cup appearances, one cup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you get to build a team like so, from a bunch of players that are like Two series, one cup? I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's not like... <laughs> 
Touche, sir. I don't know yeah, how impressive is it, right? Because they got to pick players from a bunch of teams. Well, I think it's very impressive. I mean, because what other expansion team in any league does that? Very Where, true. Where's the Seattle? I mean, I mean, I guess they were okay in their first year. Where's the Seattle Kraken? I mean, are they winning Stanley Cups? No, well, but they, they weren't. They went made no, a deep run in their first they year. They did. Yeah, they did. They were okay. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, think you get you had guy. Look at look at Tampa Bay when they went into the league. You know, with, under John McKay, would it take them two years to win? Oh, the Buccaneers. Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, twenty. They think they lost their first twenty six games. Right. I mean, it doesn't happen like that. You got to tar- start from scratch in football, but. You know, some teams protected the wrong guy. You know, protected the wrong guys. Didn't protect guys, and they ended up going to Las Vegas. Which one of the one of the players that was instrumental in their first few years was the goalie Mark Andre Fleury, mm-hmm. who um, I'm going to give a game ball to. I don't know if you saw this or not. Did you see the highlight of Con- of Fleury and Connor D- uh, Bedard? No, the Wunderkind Connor Bedard, the 18 year old, haven't sent team savior. Huh? That's right. The the 18-year-old who was the number one overall pick in the NHL by the Blackhawks, playing at the age of 18, goes to a shootout up against Marc-Andre Fleury. Tries to deke him, gets in too deep. Fleury puts out a stick, trips him, flips him into the air, almost Bobby Orr-like. <laughs> Flat on his stomach. And then gets up and goes skating off because that... Um, Blocking him, preserve the victory. Goes skating off, slaps him on the shin pads with his stick. It kind of looks at him like, there you go, Rook. There you go, kid. All right, welcome nice. welcome to the show. Yep. You could just say, it's like, yeah, you think you're all that? You ain't all that. It no. was really a great moment, hmm. I thought. He gets a game puck. Yes, he does get a game puck. <laughs> We've got uh, Ed and McGuanago on the, on the line here. Ed and McGuanago, what's going on? Ed? Hey, guys. Hello, Ed. What do you got? Hey, I have, I've got a game ball uh, for Zach Tom for making me laugh hilariously for one of the best flops I've seen. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Tremendous. Oh, the, there are Brazilian soccer teams that are trying to sign him up. <laughs> that was hilarious. I had to rewind it a couple of times. And I'm not a big fan of Aikman and Buck. Not a lot of people in Wisconsin are, but they they called that one. That was a it was a grade ten belly flop. That was pretty good. That was almost wrestling like. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, he barely touched him, and he's like, oh, and like when he stuck the arms out, that was like the best. Like, oh, you yeah. have to. Um, I did see a tweet with that image where someone stopped the video uh, in the middle of his flop, and he's like laying flat out, like Matrix, like yeah, very, very much so, and it's it is awesome. <laughs> that was. You're right, man. I'll give him a game ball on that, too. You're here. Without a doubt. <laughs> that was priceless. That was beautiful. That was, that was something to behold. Put that in the Louvre. But, I mean, it's like, oh, dear God. Why can't you, you know, go to replay on that? Stuff like that. Yeah, well, well the owners have to agree on it, and the owners usually can't even agree on lunch. So, so well, I'm, you know, here's where I'm at. It's like, I don't know. Personally, I don't know what to feel about this team. I have the same feeling about this team that I've had all along. I think they're 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 very young right now. They're very banged up. And they're just honestly, I think they will be good, but they're not very good yet. But I think they're going to get there, but I don't know that it's going to happen in 2023. Mark Murphy at the shareholders meeting said, "Look, we're we're going to have to preach patience with this team. There's going to be some growing pains. They knew this was coming. The only people that I think that 
didn't want to realize that it was coming were the were everyone I think fans and media sometimes both fall into this is the the standard of excellence that the Packers have set specifically in the regular season they haven't had that much postseason success but especially in the regular season the standard of success that they've set under the last over the last 30 years under the last two Hall of Fame quarterbacks has been pretty hard to want to give up and mm-hmm. When things don't go as well, when you've got a quarterback who may, probably uh, the odds of him getting to the Hall of Fame are quite small, as they are for everyone. But it was the same for Aaron Rodgers when he started. It was the same for Brett Favre when he started. But it's been back-to-back Hall of Famers. And when you don't see that same level of play, it's hard to wrap your mind around. And you just think, well, this guy just sucks. Well, no, he started six games in his life in the well, NFL. I mean, that, that's true. Um well, let me throw this at you, too. One difference between the regime with Brett Favre and the regime with Aaron Rodgers is that under Brett Favre, they drafted quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks, and they still do. Mm-hmm. But how many of those quarterbacks went on to be starters with other teams? Sure, Aaron Mark, Brooks. Aaron Brooks, Mark Brunell, uh, Matt Flynn, sure. Hasselbeck. Mm-hmm. So the the quarterbacks that they had would have been ready to step in and could go on and start for other teams. Yeah, as and so they were able to flip them or get something in return, and uh, they went on to success. I don't think there's a single quarterback that you can point to that would be similar. It's not Tim Boyle. No, uh, it's, it's it's few and far between. Right. So there's a difference there. They were always prepared with someone who was capable of starting, and even now, if you take a look at it, if Jordan Love is not the guy, what are you going to do? You have to reset. If Jordan Love's not the guy, I'm talking about this year. What you know? Well, this year's this year. This year is. I mean, if you're going to fall deeper into the draft and you're going to get a higher draft pick coming up next spring, and you want to address the quarterback <laughs> position, there, they're counting on Jordan Love to be the guy. And if he's not the guy, if he shows, and and listen, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the guy by a long shot. Uh, but if he's not the guy, then you've set yourselves back at least a couple of years because it takes a couple of years to develop a quarterback. And I, I don't know if you're going to fall so far that you're going to wind up with a Caleb Williams, but there are some good quarterbacks that are coming out of the draft. Well, there's no year. good. There's no. There's no proof that Caleb Williams is going to be good. Of course either. not. There's no. All right, a few minutes of the Drew and KB show before Drew got back into the seat. Yesterday, he was flying back from Las Vegas. Also flying back on Tuesday night was Matt Schneidman. He is back in Green Bay. But uh, I opened up his show yesterday on 97.3 The Game and kind of opined and had a chance to, maybe a little bit more in podcast form, expand upon some of the things that I've been talking about so far on this bi-week edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. For me, it shows that this team still has a long ways to go. I thought the defense played pretty well last night, but there were certain alignments that really kind of left... Everybody's scratching their head. And Matt LaFleur held a late afternoon news conference that started at about quarter to five or so. And uh, we will play back a portion of that news conference coming up a little bit later on in the hour. Because there's really some important things that are in there. And, And he was questioned about, for example, why is Preston Smith trying to guard Devontae Adams? Because that didn't go well for the Packers. There are some other things that didn't go well for the Packers last night as well. One of the things that didn't go well are Jordan Love's deep balls. Now, 
I do think that Jordan Love is eventually going to become a very good quarterback in the NFL. I don't know that he's going to turn into a Hall of Famer. The odds of that happening for any quarterback, infinitesimally small. But to somehow expect that there's going to be three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row for the same team. Listen, it was already infinitesimally small to have two back-to-back quarterbacks that would wind up in Canton. And the Packers, for the last 30 years, have had this incredible run of great quarterback play, as we've talked about ad nauseum, since it became clear that Aaron Rodgers was not going to return for a 19th season in Green Bay. But there are going to be some growing pains, and we saw some of those growing pains last night. Some of the growing pains are Jordan Love still has trouble with the deep ball. Aaron Rodgers did not have trouble with the deep ball. Sometimes receivers, and nothing's 100%, of course. But Aaron Rodgers didn't have trouble with the deep ball. Sometimes his receivers had trouble finding the deep ball more often than not. Right now, when Jordan goes back to throw a deep ball, I think Packers Nation kind of collectively holds its breath. Sometimes it's going to turn out spectacular. Most of the time, as what we've seen so far, it hasn't. And three interceptions last night, two of them were really bad picks. Two of them were really bad throws, including the last one. Because if you're going to throw the ball into the end zone at that juncture of the game, in that situation, you have to have an idea that your guy is either wide open or you're going to put it in a place where only he can go up and get it. And that wasn't the case last night. Do I think that Christian Watson needs to fight a little bit more? Yeah, sure. And I think he's also going to get stronger as his career goes on. Already, the jump that Christian Watson has made, just transforming his body from an FCS school, which, you know, North Dakota State, to his first year in the NFL, okay, that was one transformation. But from year one to year two, it's night and day. He's got speed. He can create separation. You want him to be able to to be the guy that can high point those balls. And right now he's having a little bit of trouble with that. So it's partially on Watson. It's partially on Love. I do think that Watson's going to get stronger. I think he's going to become a very good receiver. I would say the the same thing about Romeo Dobbs, who did not have a great game last night. Luke Musgraves was the most targeted receiver last night, but even he wound up getting chewed out on the sidelines by Coach Matt LaFleur early in the ballgame. Christian Watson almost won the game for the Packers, but a dirty play, the horse collar tackle, put the ball deep inside Raiders territory inside the five-yard line, but the Packers' offense, who had three shots and they wound up kicking a field goal, but they had you know three or four, however you wanted to do that offense, but I think it was pretty clear that you couldn't be trusted to get the ball in the end zone after the first three attempts failed, but that's on the Packers. They had three shots to do it. Yes, it was a dirty play that never should have happened, and it should have been what would amount to, what, about an 83-yard Touchdown reception, instead it was a 77-yard reception and a horse-collar tackle, and a dirty horse-collar tackle at that. But these are some of the things that happen during the course of a football game. 
And you have to overcome those things. And young teams oftentimes have to learn to overcome those things. We saw one of the great players in Packers history last night wearing silver and black in Devontae Adams. But let our memories not be short. Because two years into his career, Packers fans, by and large, were ready to run him out of town. And the Packers coaching staff wasn't that far behind. But... They gave it a little more time. They gave him a little bit more time. Get stronger. Be better at high-pointing balls. Be better at getting separation. Have the best hands in the NFL. They're hoping for the same thing for Christian Watson. It's not there yet, but at this stage of his career, KB brought it up if you're listening to the Drew and KB show when I was sitting in while Drew was in transit from the airport to get uh, to the Metroplex here. KB pointed it out. Well, yeah, at this point of Devontae Adams' career, he wasn't... Devontae Adams wasn't Devontae Adams yet two years into his career. Not even two years into his career. A year and a quarter into his career. But then, you know, the NFL is one of those games where you can't stand still. Either you're going to get better or you're going to get worse. And for a long time... For the first four games, certainly of this season and maybe at the end of last season, we thought that A.J. Dillon was getting worse, but I thought that he performed pretty well given the circumstances that he was put in last night, at least at the beginning of the game. Uh, The game plan apparently was to have Aaron Jones be the feature back like he's supposed to be the feature back because he's the most dynamic player that the Packers have on offense. Until Saturday when he pulled up a little bit lame and the training staff and the medical department, famously conservative, as we've talked about ad nauseum, let the coach know that the player is not ready to go. Number 33 will not be available to you. We only found out right before I started uh, at 3 o'clock yesterday with Packers game day. It caught everybody flat-footed. Tom Pelissero was the first one to report the story. And the assumption had been, from all of us in the media, because this is what we were told by the team, this is what we were told by the players, we were told by the coaching staff, yes, we plan on having Aaron Jones available and ready to go against the Raiders on Monday night. Well, it didn't happen. So this team is young. This team is banged up. This team is still learning how to do a lot of things. I'm not making excuses. I don't think right now, as this team is constructed for 2023, in my opinion, I don't think this is a very good football team. I do think that they will get better, though. That's why when Mark Murphy was preaching patience at the shareholders meeting before training camp began, that's what that was born out of. It's not necessarily pejorative to say that I think this team isn't very good right now and I don't think that they can get better. I do think they can get better. But my honest assessment of this team is, I think, with this soft early portion of the season, we've seen that this Packers team right now, I don't think they're playoff bound. The best team in the division is clearly Detroit. The Bears just had a huge win. Now the Bears, you know, they've got to do it for more than 60 minutes because the first four games of their schedule have been an abomination. The Vikings don't look very good right now. But the Lions do. And if the Packers have any designs on the playoffs, they're going to have to have a better post-buy showing than they have pre-buy. Because what we were all saying here on the Matt Schneidman Show, 
what we were all saying all over the game radio network is that this is a team that could pile up some wins. And maybe it was a mirage. Maybe the mirage was the Chicago Bears. Maybe the mirage was a team that, I mean, granted, they clobbered the commanders on Sunday. But maybe the mirage was a Bears team that was just god-awful and we all thought that the Packers were going to be a better team in 2023 than perhaps we had originally believed. And then they had the comeback against the Saints. Well, this team's 2-1 and one right now. They're showing, the word that Matt used a lot was, um, Jordan Love's showing a lot of moxie. And he did in the fourth quarter. Now, the first three quarters against New Orleans, eh, not the best. But that fourth quarter, what you, show, what you saw, what he showed, what uh, Jordan Love showed, was that he was a quarterback that was cool under pressure, who could make the throws, who didn't easily get rattled. And I still think there's a portion of that that's true. But I also think that you know last night was not his best hour as a Packers quarterback. He did not play well. He did not throw the ball well. And he threw three interceptions. And like I said at the beginning of the show, two of them were bad interceptions. But you win and lose as a team. And the Packers only lost by four points. And you can point to a lot of different things as to why they lost the game. The defense, I thought, played pretty well. All right, a few minutes from the Matt Schneidman Show on Tuesday. Matt back in the saddle for the rest of the week. I am on my way out. Uh, it is the bye week, if you will. So my mantra has always been bye week means bye. So I'll be back in the saddle next week. But did want to leave you with Matt LaFleur's news conference. Now, this is, listen, no points off if you don't want to listen to it. It's about 23 minutes. But he does get into some stuff. And one of the things that he was talking about was why Preston Smith was trying to guard Devontae Adams. And maybe that wasn't the best idea we've ever seen. So here's Matt LaFleur uh, on his Tuesday when they returned from uh, Las Vegas. This was at Lambeau Field on Tuesday afternoon, uh, a little bit before the Match Nightman show began uh, again on Tuesday on 97.3 The Game. Matt, do you uh, anticipate uh, either Quay or Darnell missing any significant time? Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of let that play out. Uh, we're hopeful that we could potentially get him back for Denver, but um, obviously that's almost two weeks away. Matt, um, a couple of questions about offensive identity. I'll kind of throw them all together at once. Um, a, is that a real thing, or is that just kind of like a media thing? And B, are you getting close to having one? Do you have one, and how do you build one? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that there are are certain areas where, yeah, you want to be able to hang your hat on something, right? And have, whether it's go-to players or, and or plays that you can go to in tough times that you know that you got a pretty good chance to have success with. Um, I always look at identity more of your pl- style of play. And are you doing all the little things? Are you straining? Are you making the extra blocks? Are you pushing piles? Are you finishing forward on runs? Um, You know, scheme is scheme to me. And as long as you have a marriage between your run game and your pass game and formationally that you have plays that, that at least come off the same looks, that is all part of that identity. And um, I think that's something that we always work hard to do. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think everything kind of gets magnified when you're not having success. And that's that's just the nature of it. And um, certainly, I think 
we did some good things. I think there's a lot of things that we can do a hell of a lot better. And I think it all starts with the detail. And we had a, a really long team meeting today and kind of laid out everything for our guys, areas where we have plays dialed up against the premier looks that exactly what you want them for, and we're getting the bare minimum and sometimes not even getting a positive play at all. And then there are other times, and you got to give credit to, to the Raiders, where we've got plays dialed up that are against horrible looks. And you're like, how can you not make – how can you take a bad play and not make it worse? So maybe a zero-yard zero, zero yard game is better than, you know, getting sacked or whatever it may be. So um, – but I think a lot of it comes down to just our detail – and, you know, where are we putting our eyes? What are we doing? Um, are we using the correct technique? I think a lot of just our inability to be successful offensively is we've had negative plays or we have a penalty. Now, we weren't penalized as much yesterday, but we've been in these get back on track situations and we've had a hard time recovering from that. We have not had success in those you know, second and 10 or 11 plus situations. Um, and then you're stuck in third and long, or we had a second and 17 yesterday where we threw an interception. So um, we just got to do a better job of, of trying to avoid those situations, staying on schedule, even if it's, you know, second and nine. That's a hell of a lot better than second and 10 plus. So I just think there's a lot more out for for this group. And we just have to have that urgency. And it starts with us as coaches and making sure that we're very intentional about what we're asking our guys to do. And then they got to be a part of this process as well and, and make sure they're communicating maybe things that they don't understand quite as well. And, or, and, and we got to put just whether it's drill work, whether it's teamwork, um, in order for our offense to come together and actually show progress because it's been very, very frustrating, I would say, the last couple of weeks. We've, it's, it's been so um, hit or miss. I thought, you know, th these slow starts, I, I think back to yesterday, I mean, we had the first two drives of the, the game where we had eight play drives, and we end up with three points. We have a third and three where we have a busted route, and they play cover two, and ironically enough, <laughs> That's where the ball should have gone, is where the, the route was busted. And, you know, we also have to progress through. And if it's not there, don't force the throw down the field and get to a check down. And maybe you're playing, you know, fourth and one or fourth and two. And, um, but I just think there's, there's been so many things that have come up in some, some critical situations that have, have really set us back. And by no means am I trying to throw blame at our players. I'm as much a fault as anybody. Like I said, not every play caller is going to be perfect. I put our guys in some bad situations. There was a couple yesterday where we run an outside zone. Uh, they got penny, what we call penny personnel on the field where it's nickel defense with five bigs and we're running an outside zone and uh, uh, 98 swims our tackle and gets a TFL. So like, you know, that's on me. But I think collectively, there's a lot that we can improve upon as a group, and hopefully we get that corrected in, in short order in order for us to have success. Weird way of saying it, but is this, is this what young looks like? 
with inconsistencies like this? Uh, yeah, I never want to fall back on that because I, I just think that's such an excuse. It is what it is. I mean, we're going to play with the guys we have, and we believe in the guys that we have. And I do think we we do have a lot of talent. Um, I think we were all knew that there was going to be some growing pains along the way, and but I haven't lost faith or belief in the in in the group that we have. I just think that we can do things better, and I think we can coach better, and I think we can execute better. So Matt, I, I get you don't want to use it as an excuse, but. You knew what you were signing up for this year, right? I mean, you told us at the end of camp, we have to be process-based, we can't always focus on the outcome. You don't often hear coaches be that honest about what they might be up against with a first-year starter at quarterback and so many young guys on offense. What I'm wondering is, how do you demand of these guys, you're talking about you know, knowing where your eyes need to be and using correct technique? That's not stuff you gotta deal with when guys are veterans. So how, as a coach, are you trying to tweak what you're doing so you can put young guys who aren't experienced in better positions? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just trying to reflect on it from a coaching standpoint, it's great we have this big old call sheet with all these plays to attack certain looks or whatever it may be, and it really doesn't matter if you can't execute it. So I think just from a coaching standpoint, we may have to look at, at – just how much are we putting in on these guys? Because you're right, we do have a, a lot of young guys. And um, although we didn't have a ton of uh, mental mistakes, it's just we did have a, a few in some critical situations um, that we can't have. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think every week we have to continue to learn, both from successes and obviously from your, from your failures. And um, if we do that and we can avoid making the same mistake twice, I think we have a chance to show progress. Um, the third and three busted route, was that what you were discussing with Musgrave at the end of that series? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and listen, I, Luke, Luke is a really good player. He's going to be a really good player, and, and that just it, it happens. I think we, we tagged the concept and we motioned from a one by three to a two by two. So I think there was some confusion there because he was asking Jordan what he had and Jordan told him the concept. And so it's just, again, it's sometimes that happens in football. And so hopefully we can be a little bit better and, and be a little bit more clear and, and make sure that our guys can anticipate maybe some of the calls that are coming in some of those, those critical third down situations. The thing that you said at the beginning, having something to hang your hat on as an offense, do you feel like you're close to finding what that is? And if not, what's the process? You know where you're at? I got to play football practice. Oh, play football? All right, good luck, man. I got to get my bucket. All right, get after him. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Run the triple up. What's the process of determining, especially going to fly? What, what, what do you want that to be for this offense? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just looking back and, and talking about yesterday, for example, uh, the thought was to get a little bit more under center and see if we can operate at a higher level. I thought our run game definitely benefited from that. Um, you know, we, we still have a ways to go, I would say, with just some of our play action. Um, I thought it was good to get Jordan out on the perimeter 
we we probably didn't do it enough if I'm being honest about it he's he's made some plays with his legs um, and you, you got to be careful uh, you know when you have a, a guy like Max Crosby on the edge when he's lining up on your right or on your left did not want to keep back into him at any time because I mean he jumps around blocks and he can he can make you look silly in a hurry so we wanted to be very particular about when we were going to call those plays. Um, but just looking back, I think there was probably a few more opportunities there that we could have taken advantage of. And, you know, give credit to, to the Raiders. They did a very good job uh, of disguising. We had a couple cans in where, where where they definitely held their shell or showed one thing and played another, and they did a good job. Matt, going back to what I asked earlier, I'm curious, how do you balance simplifying things for your young guys and also this is a league that's about you know whether it's complexity the illusion of complexity that we've talked about with you before or having challenging concepts for defenses how do you balance keeping it simple for them while also game planning for your opponent to make it hard on them yeah that's that's always the trick i think um and you know you would like to hopefully dress up whatever concepts you you're guys are used to running and they you feel they feel confident in um and just dress them up in certain di in, in different ways whether it's by motion or formation or whatever it may be personnel um and, and so it's it's simple for us but gives the defense a different look matt when, when you go back to the uh Devante adams against preston smith and if you can't get checked into something different isn't it a, a timeout an option there and sure you could always burn a timeout couldn't press the guy that just does that yeah I, I, I mean especially in the, you're talking the second half of games those timeouts are are usually pretty valuable um, you know uh, I think just knowing that receiver and when he's at the number two spot there's a most people have a pretty good idea of what he's going to run. He's going to run what we call a looky route. Basically, you can't be right as a defender. If you're outside leverage, he's going to run a slant. And if you're inside leverage, he's going to run an out. And so it is a tough spot to be in. We talked about it. We do have the ability to make some empty checks to avoid those situations. And in that one, we, we, we played the coverage that was called. And it does put our guy in, in a, a predicament, especially it's just... It's a, it's a premier wide receiver on uh, P, who I love, and I think he's really good in coverage. But I think we, we that's not an advantage us, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think there's some things that we could have executed a little bit better in, in that situation, just making sure that we stay inside and try to get hands-on and, and force the outbreak and rally and tackle. And instead of a 20-yard gain, it's probably going to be an 8- to 10-yard gain. But, um, but I, I also think there's some things we can do from a, from a coaching standpoint to better, that is better suited for our players to have success. You guys are in base there against like what two tight ends and uh, yeah, they're twenty-one personnel. We are in base. That's normal, right? You play base. Yeah, and they they emptied us out and um and they ran yeah. they ran what we call lucky. Does the teams normally empty out of that? Yeah, that's absolutely. I, I, you you can and um, usually when the wideouts at the number two spot, that's the route you're going to get. 
with the youth, you said it is what it is. How much have you peeled back or, or simplified your offense to account for the youth of this offense compared to what you've run in the past or maybe maybe a year ago from a schematic standpoint? Well, I, I just think there's probably more – we try to carry over more for, on a week-to-week -week basis instead of just going a whole new direction based on the team we're playing. Um, the more carryover, usually these guys have banked reps at it and you feel that – they're a little bit more confident in it, and sometimes that doesn't always work. But, um, you know, I, I think all that stuff gets overblown, quite frankly. I think if, if we're going out there and we're executing some of the plays that we know are there, um, I think this doesn't get talked about. If we're scoring points, nobody's talking about this. And unfortunately, when you score 13 points in a game, it gets talked about, you know. Uh, there, there, was, there was a lot of opportunities out there. Um, particularly in the screen game. I mean, we had some premier looks and we're not getting any yards um, in, in our screen game. And then there were some other ones where they should have been explosive gains and we're getting like six or seven yards. So uh, we had a quarters beater dialed up uh, the deep ball to, to Christian and they're playing a low quarters and they give us the look and we don't connect. So I think there's a lot of things that if if we execute and 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 make the plays, then a lot of this stuff goes away. Matt, what do you want to see from your players when they come back after this extended time off? I just want to see a sense of urgency, um, a competitive spirit, and just really dial in and, and, and truly take it one day at a time and focus on what lies ahead, and that is improvement. So, and I think that always starts again with us as coaches, making sure that we, we have that same sense of urgency as well. Any reason to think that Aaron Jones won't be good to go when you guys get back? Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure, sure as hell hope so. Yeah, um, I got into a pretty heated argument about this today. I don't usually do that, except with Rob. Um, do you believe in growth through failure? When you fail, how do you turn that into growth? Well, I think as long as you're learning from it and, again, not making the same, same mistake twice. I think there's a lot of um, good that can come out of adversity if you stay, you know, tough-minded and persistent and you don't let it bring you down. Um, and that's what I told our guys. I was like, nobody's feeling sorry for us. And if we feel sorry for ourselves, we will regress. But as long as we take that approach, like, hey, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get back to work, then you got a chance to, to show some progress. And that's what I want to see. I want to see that fight from our team, and I, I believe that we will. So do you think you regressed yesterday? Well, I think any time you don't get – I don't, I don't want to use the word regressed, um, but – Certainly the result wasn't what we wanted, and I thought there was plenty of opportunities there. I thought, like I said last night, I thought our defense played well enough to give us an opportunity to win. Uh, when you look back at it, we basically gave up 14 points defensively. We spotted them three from an offensive standpoint with that turnover. I thought it was a great display of sudden change defense, forcing the, the three and out and the field goal. Um, you know. We, we got the one turnover that set up a touchdown. That was a good example coming out the second half of, of showing really good complimentary football, uh, which we haven't always 
shown that consistently. Um, and even yesterday didn't do it, but, um, yeah, I, I don't want to use the word regress because I do think that there were some good things. It's just, um, we just got to make sure we, that we learn from, from our mistakes. That, so when you look at Jordan, you know, I know from the outside, the expectations were raised with what he did in the first two games. You're not worried about outside expectations. You're worried about it here. But how do you kind of look at, there is kind of a line of demarcation in terms of how well he played in the first two and how the last three have gone. How do you kind of feel about where he's at overall? I just, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't, I think there's definitely some plays that we'd all like to have back. Um, they're just like, there's some calls I'd like to have back as well. Um, and quite frankly, it's it, all the all the spotlights going to be placed, or the majority of the spotlights going to be placed on the quarterback, and that's not always the case. Um, you know, we have an opportunity in the two-minute drive, and we have back-to-back drop balls. I mean, it is what it is. Like we get, we got to make those plays to help us to help put us in better position, and maybe that last play doesn't happen. Um, you know, we got beat up front on the last play that forced a scramble drill. Because if you if you go back and watch the tape, I mean, Christian was behind the corner. So uh, there, it, it just it gets magnified. It's it always comes down to the quarterback. That's what you guys like to write about, um, but it's the truth um, or the coaching. But um, but it, it truly is. That's what that, that's what's so great about the sport is it truly takes all eleven. And I know you guys want to bust my chops saying that's coach speak and whatever, but I truly believe that. And I think you you see it on the tape every week when you have great plays, it's everybody doing their job. And when you have bad plays, it's it could be just one person not doing their job, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I just like I, I never liked that narrative to, to be honest with you. Um, he is a great player. There's no doubt about it. And he's an explosive playmaker. I mean, we saw what he did week one with the choice route and then the screen that we ran, um, just getting big explosion plays. And he does tilt the, the field in your favor. However, there's still uh, an expectation that you got to go out there and perform no matter who's out there. So I never want that to be the narrative. you got to work around that. That's football. There's a lot of other teams in this league that are dealing with similar situations and and you got to find a way and so that's that's all of us it's it's our ability to put together a, a competent game plan and then it's our you know it comes down to the guys being able to go out there and execute it so um you know you, you always got to work around it and i never want that to be the narrative or the excuse because it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day Going back to the bye for a second, is, is there any different change in approach on the early side of it as opposed to the last two years where I think you guys had the latest one? Um, in terms of just coaching perspective or just how you... How you no, I, I think, uh, you know, you just kind of, 
this will give us a good opportunity, first of all, to allow some of our guys hopefully to heal up and be ready to go next week. But um, as far as the approach is, you know, we've got five games that we can really kind of look back at. Uh, I'm going to study some things around the league and see if there's something that we can steal <laughs> to to try to find a, a way to generate, specifically on the offense side of the ball, just uh, generate some... some um, momentum for our offense but I think we just got to look back and, and take um, a good hard look at maybe how opponents are seeing us and what teams are doing to us from a defensive perspective that has given us some problems and maybe we can get in front of some of these things so so they don't reoccur. Matt, I know you want to be productive regardless of what happens before the bye starts but for you given how competitive you are and how Frustrated you, I'm sure, are with yourself and along with the record. Does your plan for this week change? Are you going to be spending more time here and less time at home? Like you have to recharge batteries too. So yeah, what do you and, and we have, you know, we have for sure a 12 game season in front of us. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'll, I'll be sleeping in the office these next few days, but uh, I would say that I'll be in here quite a bit and. Um, just try to find find something that to build upon moving forward. Packers coach Matt LaFleur, that'll about do it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. The Packers, two and three heading into the bye. Certainly we'll have a lot more to talk about when they return from the bye because they've got a very winnable game against a very bad Denver Broncos team. It's a road game, but still it's one that the Packers should be able to win or at least should be able to have a better showing than what they've seen uh, over the last couple of weeks. But again, listen... This is going to be a team that Mark Murphy preached it in the preseason when he was talking to the shareholders. We're just going to preach patience. We have to preach preach patience. We have to preach patience. And, and I think Packers fans need to understand that, yeah, patience is going to be what is going to sustain you through the 2023 season, hopefully as everyone gets better. Now, if that doesn't happen, then there will be some different conversations. But I'm not panicking over two and three because I kind of expected it. Uh, and if you were expecting, you know, a 13, 12, 13 win season, well, I'm not sure how realistic that was. But they can play better than what they played on, certainly on uh, Monday night. And certainly the quarterback can get better as well. So we'll just look forward to some growth in the second half of the season. That's it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>